1: After the Apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season 3, Episode 14, The Kaiju. The Kaiju sat hunched over a laptop on a workbench, staring intently at the screen. Luminous green letters and numbers played across the lenses of his glasses. He paused to push the glasses higher as the reflected characters scrolled across them like mini-versions of the computer screen. It created the impression that the glasses were alive and animated with the rising code, that he was somehow the extension of the programming. He would not have been able to tell you exactly when they started calling him the kaiju. It was a label borrowed from Japanese. Literally translated, it meant... Strange monster. Someone had drawn the word from the cultural milieu of a generation weaned on tiktok and Japanese anime. It had stuck more as a title than a name. Now he was the kaiju, the strange monster who led them. Godzilla had been a kaiju. But this new kaiju was labeled in a more heroic sense, the protector and savior of what was left of the human tribe on the island of the university. When the survivors of the school complex started calling him this, it was not because he was a destroying monster, but... "'because he was a larger-than-life protector of the world. "'In the early days of the plague, he had not been touched. "'He was the one healthy man among the suddenly ubiquitous dying. "'Being the only one still able to function, "'he was everywhere, superhuman, ministering to the sick, saving lives.' He didn't know why the plague did not hit him. Maybe it was something in his genetics. Maybe it was just random chance. Whether chance, genes, or fate, his health allowed him to nurse the others, to tend to them, to care for them. He had no medical training. The students were strong, young people— All he could offer was basic care and comfort. Many times, this was enough. The kaiju cared for the sick and, just by his presence as a healthy soul, saved lives. But he also stepped forward into the leadership void and helped establish a core group around which a community quickly coalesced. HE BROUGHT THE STUDENTS WHO SURVIVED TOGETHER AROUND A COMMON PURPOSE, BRINGING THEM TOGETHER FOR THE BENEFIT OF THE WHOLE. WHEN THE PLAGUE HIT, THE CAMPUS ORGANIZATION WAS LOST. EVERYTHING WAS CHAOS. IT WAS EVERYONE FOR THEMSELVES. HE HELD THE WORLD TOGETHER DURING THOSE DARK DAYS. NOW THEY TRUSTED HIM whether he liked it or not they considered him to be their savior and they called him the kaiju he had no foreknowledge of this specific plague event but he knew something like this apocalypse was inevitable "'Research showed that these depopulation events "'happened periodically throughout history. "'This plague was foreseeable. "'It was bound to happen. "'Mankind had gone past the tipping point "'where the ecosystem could support them. "'Humanity was due for a correction. "'Nature had a way of resetting the scales when needed.' It had happened across history. The Antonine Plague, the Black Death, the 1918 Flu, multiple world wars and conflicts between expanding empires. Apocalypse was how the universe warned humanity to step back and reconsider their approach." The kaiju was smart. He had already been thinking about humankind's inevitable march to extinction. He had, in fact, been working on the project to prove there was a better way. He saw the bigger patterns. Homo sapiens always ended up in the same place. And he knew that place was a dead end— Because of this, he saw the apocalypse as a call to action, an opportunity, a chance to rewrite the inevitable rise and fall pattern, a chance to finally plot a course that was sustainable, maybe even transcendent, and he knew just what that approach was, the inflection point came about ten weeks after the plague. The handful of old people, the baby boomers that had survived, tried to resume leadership. Those professors and administrators acted as if their PhDs and gray hair qualified them to be in charge. The kaiju stepped forward and said, "'No, you had your chance. This is our world now!' "'The students rallied around him. "'It was not so much a revolution "'as a soft coup d'etat of ideas "'and a new hope, "'hope for a different future. "'The exhausted denizens of the old way "'looked around at the ruined world "'in the piles of dead "'and could not protest. "'Almost gratefully,' They ceded the future to the next generation. The kaiju promised a new world, a new future, a world where humans would live in harmony with each other and the planet, a world that would use technology and knowledge to avoid the mistakes of the past. A better world... He explained how the old patterns always ended up at the same destination. Death. Destruction. Misery. Tyranny. Unless they got to work and interceded to create the new version of the future, centuries would be wasted in a dark age. It would follow the same old patterns— like a mule on a tether grinding the same circular track into the ground. Tribes would fight over the remnants. Fiefdoms would form around warlords. Territories would be consolidated. Warring principalities and kingdoms would rise. Religions would rise and fall, while men fought over who had God's favor and who did not. IN THE PROCESS, KNOWLEDGE, THAT BEAUTIFUL, SHINING THING, WOULD BE LOST. THOSE WHO DID NOT LEARN FROM HISTORY ARE DESTINED TO REPEAT IT. THE SAME END POINT IS ALWAYS FOUND. UNHAPPINESS, DEATH, FEAR, WASTE, AND A DESECRATED PLANET they could change that he would change that he would break the pattern he would lead them to a new world order the kaiju their heroic strange monster did not look heroic in the classic sense it would be hard to picture him scaling a defensive wall with a sword in hand like Alexander leading a sortie. He was a different kind of leader. For the record, he was a twenty-nine-year-old grad student. But if you walked into the lab and saw him for the first time, you might estimate His age in the mid-thirties, unless you looked into his eyes. His eyes were the eyes of an older soul, full of wisdom, passion, pain, and longing. Eyes that were electric with a sense of unknowable depth, like the well-crafted brow of a Greek marble of Zeus, gazing with a combination of love and power at the lesser gods those eyes truly the windows of the soul they would grab you stand you up straight and take your breath away he had a full head of wavy black hair "'that tended to pile on one side of his head "'that he would often push back with a pass "'of his large fingers to clear his view. "'This mound of hair was matched by a full black beard. "'If you looked closely, "'you could see a few strands of gray starting to sneak in, "'like the warning fires on a distant hill.' HE WAS THE KAIJU, AND ONCE YOU LOOKED INTO THOSE EYES, YOU SAW THAT YOU WERE IN THE PRESENCE OF SOMETHING SPECIAL, SOMETHING BIGGER, THE EYES. DEEP BROWN EYES THAT LOOKED RIGHT THROUGH YOU, POWERFUL EYES, "'like searchlights projecting his life-force and intellect "'into the plague-ridden world. "'The kaiju hit a key on the laptop "'with a force proportionate to his frustration. "'He stood and strode with purpose "'to the back of the long lab space "'that was the nerve center of the project. "'Jacob!' he called." A young man with curly hair and glasses emerged from between the server racks, clutching a tangle of cables. What? How long before we can bring the new CPUs online? That last compile took six hours. I'm switching out all this Cat5 5 for Fiverr right now. Otherwise, you're going to get crosstalk issues. How long? I should have it up by the end of the day but we need more power. We're at this building's limit. He looked chagrined. If we put any more compute power online, something's gonna cook. Okay, noted. Just do what you can. The kaiju tried to smile. I want to run those new sims on the model this week. The kaiju turned to leave and said over his shoulder, I'll be over with Jen. Jen, a slight Asian woman in her early twenties sat comfortably on a cushion in a corner of her office, working on a tablet. She wore a light blue jumpsuit. When the kaiju knocked softly and pushed the door open, she looked up and smiled. "'How you doing, kiddo?' the kaiju said with warmth. "'Good. I felt a little sick this morning, but I feel great now.' "'Any progress on the heuristics?' he asked, changing the subject. "'I'm trying a multi-step process where we intersperse the rules engine calls with the learning algorithm. "'Good. We don't want to over-constrain the model, but we also want implementable solutions.' He smiled again. "'You look tired. Are you getting enough to eat?' "'Yes, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. You're the one who needs sleep, mister.' She admonished. How are you going to save the world if you work yourself to death? I know, but we're so damn close to an answer. I can't sleep. He shook his head. Jacob is rewiring the hub, but we're running out of power. We've got the big solar array and the diesel backup, but we're close to maxing it out. You'll figure it out, she said without any doubt in her voice. You always do. "'Thanks, kiddo!' the kaiju bent to kiss her head. She smiled. He asked, "'Did the scouts bring back those prenatal vitamins?' "'Not yet, but I know Mac's on it.' Just then there was a knock on the door. "'Come in!' the kaiju said, then seeing Mac's big frame in the open door. "'Speak of the devil! What's up, Mac?' Mac was acting agitated. "'Boss, I'm just back from the zoo. We found Zane. He's been hurt, and I found a couple of outsiders, probably the ones Z was following.' "'I see,' the kaiju said, his mood darkening. "'Well, let's go sort it out.' He squeezed Jen's shoulder, gave her a look, and rose to follow Mac, I brought that Greek doctor back with me to take care of Z. They said he crashed his bike. Is he gonna be okay? Yeah, we think so. He's awake and talking, but he took a tumble and knocked his head. The doc is gonna do some more tests. I wanna talk to him. Sure, he's in the medical building with a doc. Zane lay propped up on a makeshift gurney while Dr. Giorgio worked around a portable X-ray unit beside the bed. Nix sat in a chair on the other side of the bed, her hand on Zane's arm, the bangs of her pink hair covering her eyes. The bandaged bike rider had his eyes closed when the Kaiju and Mac came in. Nix rose nervously out of her chair and said, He's resting now. And then, I... I have to get going anyhow. The kaiju nodded. When the door had clicked closed behind her, the kaiju turned and asked, How's our boy, Doc? He's a tough nut. I think he'll be fine. He's got a concussion and a broken arm. I'm going to need to set and immobilize. I'm afraid he's going to have to stay off the bike for a few weeks. But he should pull through. Dr. Panagiorgio smiled his doctor smile. Zane's eyes fluttered open at the sound of the conversation. The kaiju smiled. How you feeling, young gun? I've had better days.' "'Zane said with a weak smile. "'Looks like you'll be up and at him in no time,' Mac said over the kaiju's shoulder. "'Can't wait,' Zane replied. "'The kaiju looked at Mac and then back at Zane. "'You feel okay to talk a bit?' "'Yeah!' Zane replied flatly. "'I'm okay,' the kaiju began. "'What happened?' Zane thought about where to start and then began. Well, I was following those two outsiders, like we talked about, keeping an eye on them. I tracked them to the water tower, then I was going to ride around the marshy area to get between them and the zoo. I picked up a flat, and they must have run to get in front of me. They ambushed me on the hill by the snack cake truck. It sounded like Zane had been expecting this conversation and had been organizing and rehearsing his story. Ambushed? The kaiju raised an oversized black eyebrow. Well, yeah, somehow they got in front of me and that old guy jumped out of the brush and shot something at me and I crashed hard. Zane paused. That's all I remember until I woke up at the zoo. The kaiju furrowed his brow and turned to address Mac. And you have these two? Mac nodded and said, a bit like a proud schoolboy, Yeah, down in the storage room. The kaiju turned his attention back to Zane and put his hand over the injured rider's hand, squeezing once in a reassuring manner and looking deeply into his eyes. "'You rest up, and let us know if we can get you anything.' And then to Dr. P. "'Doc, you got this.' "'Yes, don't worry about the thing.' "'Okay, Mac, let's go visit our troublesome friends.' "'The old man sat slumped against the wall, legs out straight. "'Janet couldn't see him, but she could feel him "'and swore she could hear an occasional snore. "'The old goat could sleep anywhere. "'It made her jealous sometimes. "'He must have a clean conscience. "'She had adopted a kneeling position.' almost like the child's pose from the yoga classes she used to take in the city to stay limber between hard training sessions, except that her hands were still zip-tied behind her back. The guards didn't seem to care what she did as long as she stayed seated and kept quiet they would have sung a different tune if they knew about the steel three-inch boot-knife she had laced into these shoes. It was a nasty little piece of tactical gear just for situations like this. She quietly and slowly withdrew it from its hiding-place and worked on the zip-ties. When she was done, "'She palmed the knife and relaxed. "'It wasn't much of a weapon against these armed young men, "'but it was something when the time was right.' "'Willie crouched, concealed, "'outside the chain-link fence that surrounded the trailer park. "'There wasn't any activity, "'but it was still very early in the day.' THE SUN WAS JUST FRAMING THE MOUNTAINS BEHIND THE TRAILERS. WILLIE SMELLED COFFEE. SHE NEVER ACQUIRED A TASTE FOR IT, BUT SHE KNEW PEOPLE WHO WOULD GLADLY SELL THEIR SOULS FOR THAT FIRST HOT CUP OF JOE IN THE MORNING. THERE WERE SURVIVORS HERE. IT HAD A LIVED-IN LOOK AND FEEL. The trailers didn't look damaged or abandoned. In fact, they looked surprisingly well-maintained. There was none of the tell-tale trash that decorated the abandoned places—paper and plastic—blown by the wind into the strange modern art of decay. But more than that, it felt okay. She couldn't explain it, but more and more as she survived in the apocalypse, she trusted her feelings about people, places, and situations. It was like she was tuning into the wavelength of the world now. She felt a sense of calm and resignation in this place, but no threat. She scanned the area in front of the gate. There had been a lot of activity here recently. The dirt road was scuffed and torn with footprints, drag marks, dog prints, and tire tracks. Willie shifted in her crouch, considered her next move. The progress of the old man and Janet led her here, It was starting to get interesting. Willie had found the crash site and the bent bicycle. She had followed the travoy drag marks and Bill's big paw prints in the soft shoulder that ran along the side of the road. It led to these trailers. It looked like they had found survivors and interacted with them. But the nature of those interactions escaped her. Had they found the old man's son, she needed to remain cautious. They might need her help. A door swung open with a clunk against aluminum siding. Somewhere out of sight, a few trailer rows away from where she hid, she heard a voice— "'Willie saw something that made her heart skip a beat "'and a breath caught in her chest. "'The unmistakable form of Bill the dog "'bounded out from around the side of a trailer "'and paused to water the post of a mailbox. "'It was him for sure. "'The curly hair, the size, the bent tail. "'He looked healthy.' "'Bill finished his morning ablutions "'and raised his big head curiously, "'sniffing about as if looking for something on the morning air. "'He turned and looked in Willie's direction. "'He paused momentarily and then pointed at her "'like a well-trained hunting dog at targeting game. "'Willie whistled low in a way that only the dog could hear.' She saw his ears prick. He looked back at whoever was talking and began to sprint in Willie's direction. Willie, for her part, came out of her crouch and stood on the other side of the gate, wondering how she was going to get the chain off to let the dog through. It turned out to be a moot point. The dog didn't even slow down as he approached the fence at a full gallop. He launched himself and, with a scramble, easily navigated the six-foot gate. In an instant he was leaning on Willie, licking her face and wagging his tail. She returned his embrace. But where was the old man and Janet? Then... Bill broke from her, ran over to the tire tracks, and looked down the dirt road, sending Willie an obvious message. That was where the old man and Janet had gone. Why hadn't they taken the dog? It didn't matter now. She'd figure it out. She took off at an easy run with the dog down the road before who ever was in the trailers came out to investigate. The old man heard the door click and open. The light filtered through the hood and grew brighter as the hall lights broke through the open door. There was the sound of footfalls as others entered. The light dimmed again as somebody stepped in front of him and kicked his foot. "'Hey!' "'Wake up, asshole!' "'It was the voice of the big kid from the trailer park. "'I'm awake! What do you want?' "'The old man growled. "'He was really getting sick of getting kicked "'and didn't really care anymore. "'Whatever they were gonna do, "'he just wished they'd get on with it. "'Someone kicked his foot again, "'and another voice asked a question.' Who are you? Where did you come from? Well, I'm glad you asked, said the old man sarcastically. I'm Professor Plum, and funny story, but I was minding my own business in the conservatory with a lead pipe. The big kid kicked him again, harder this time. Wise up, you're in enough trouble already. Answer the question. The second voice continued calmly. "'Why did you ambush tag Zane? "'This voice reminded the old man "'of something he couldn't quite place. "'He had a strange feeling about this place "'and this situation.' "'The old man replied more seriously, "'Well, that was an accident. "'We were trying to find out "'why the guy on the bike was tracking us.' "'We saved him.' "'Janet, who had been listening, piped up. "'We could have left him, but we didn't. We took him to your people at the trailer park to get him help. Zane is one of our best,' the voice said. "'How did you manage to surprise him?' "'Listen, kid, we've survived more than six months out on the road. We've traveled on foot from outside New York. We couldn't have gotten this far if we didn't have some skills.' the old man responded dryly. "'What do you want me to do with them?' Mac asked. "'Honestly, we have to stop screwing around with these people. One of ours is going to get hurt or killed.' The kaiju considered Mac's ask. There was something different about this situation and these people that he needed to process.' He had a strange feeling that was more emotional than intellectual and wondered why. He looked up and realized Mac was still waiting on an answer. Can we stick them in the zoo with the others? Mac frowned. I wouldn't. These two are trouble. I don't think they'd stay put. What then? The kaiju asked, still processing. We should. Mac shrugged. "'almost sheepishly. "'Eliminate them!' he finished ominously. "'Janet had heard enough. "'She spoke up. "'Hold on. Can I say something? "'I've got something to say.' "'Mac made as if to kick her, "'but the kaiju held up a hand. "'Stand her up and take off the hood!' Mac and one of the guards lifted Janet by her elbows to a standing position and pulled off the hood. She blinked into the light, orienting herself. There was a cold fire in her eyes as she fixed on the kaiju appraisingly. He returned her stare. What is it that you have to say? Janet pretended to demure. She broke eye contact and looked away, but coiled to make her move. As the men around her relaxed momentarily, she sprung forward. She yanked the kaiju's arm toward her and used the momentum to spin behind him, like a spider pouncing on a wasp caught in its web. Before anyone could move, she had the kaiju's head in a hold with one arm and a short knife pressed against his throat with her other hand. What I want to say, she hissed, is that you're fucking with the wrong people. What's going on? The old man shouted. Mac and the guards were frozen in horror, looking to the kaiju for direction. Janet pressed her advantage. Get him up and cut his ties, or Blackbeard gets a new hole to breathe through. Mac shakily pulled the old man to his feet. He had murder in his eyes as he recovered from the initial shock of the attack. You hurt him, and I swear I'll kill you, he said to Janet. Then let's make sure you don't do anything stupid. KG, the killer, leered. I only kill stupid people and assholes. "'Mac reached into a pocket and unfolded his own knife "'to cut the zip-ties off the old man. "'He held the pocket-knife a millisecond too long "'and looked at Janet with malice in response.' she pressed the point of her knife into the kaiju's neck. A bead of blood emerged and rolled down the bearded neck, tangling in the black hair. The kaiju grimaced. She glared at Mac. He folded the blade and put it in his pocket, then turned to pull the hood from the old man.' "'The old man stood, blinking and rubbing his wrist. "'What the hell are you doing now, Florence? "'These kids are gonna think you're inhospitable!' "'The kaiju had not said anything through all this. "'His face wore a mask of calm. "'Like all survivors, he had faced death "'and it held no power over him.' But now his face began to change as he stared at the old man. There was a sparkle of curiosity. There was an odd fascination of a smile that transformed into a look of dazed comprehension mixed with disbelief. His face became like a toddler's face upon seeing the elephants at the zoo for the first time inside the kaiju's head thoughts churned could it be no my mind is playing tricks on me then in a small child's voice he said dad <laughs>
2: Hello, my survivor friends. Here we are at the end of February 2023. If you are listening to this, you have just finished season three, episode 14, titled The Kaiju. And I certainly hope you enjoyed it. It was a monster of an episode, coming in at more than 4,000 words. There's a lot going on in this episode. There are a lot of hints and a lot of little moments of drama. There's a critical, pivotal reveal at the end. And you may have to listen through it a couple of times to get it all right. I would say no spoilers, but I don't post these end notes to the website until after the episode drops. So the only way you could get spoiled is if you are reading the outros before you listen to the episode so like you're catching up or something but never underestimate people's ability to spoil a story so i won't say anything specific here but i am curious how much did you see the pivotal reveal coming when you got there was it a shock or was it a i knew it so we here my team On the 10th floor of the After the Apocalypse editorial building in Manhattan, we all saw it coming. Because we've been driving in this direction since the beginning of the season. So it's hard for us to judge. What about you? Give me some feedback. Well, six more episodes to find our way out of this mess. I just checked the stats and we got a whopping 24,000 downloads last month. I say last month, that's the last 30 days. It does it in 30-day chunks when you look at the analytics. Which, as my older brother used to say, beats a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. Thank you all for forwarding and uh, listing on your social media. That was good. Gave us a little bump. We've got 309 Brave survivors clustered around a 55-gallon drum, burning trash and trying to stay warm. Over at the Facebook group, where I asked people what they liked about the podcast, and some some of the answers were the details. So they liked the details, the characters, especially the old man, Janet, and the dog, and giving voice to what the characters were thinking. So it's all interesting feedback. I'm always interested. It is worth noting that over at the Book of Faces, Survivor Gail shared a link to another podcast called After the Virus, a Survivalist's Journal, and I binge-listened through the whole 26 episodes this past week. Yes, that is Survivalist, not Survivalist, and I will never forgive him For that tortured play on words. Uh, So, the post is a post-apocalyptic, right? And in this case, it's an angry Ebola virus, and the setting is Northern California, and the protagonist takes to the canyons to survive, and maybe I'll hunt up the author and get him on for an interview to ask him about some of his choices. But it's a good narrative, and it keeps moving right along. It's one of those stories that makes you really want to listen to the next episode. And the episodes are short. They're 15 minutes, and you will eat right through them. And he adds in some sounds, some sound effects, some animal sounds, and some other sound effects that support the narrative. And it uses the found journal machination. This is a very common device in apocalyptic fiction and science fiction the found journal it simplifies the storytelling by allowing you to tell a linear narrative so they found someone's journal and they're reading from the journal that's what found journal means in the second season there are other voices introduced some better than others but by that point you're hooked like I said there are 26 episodes And the narrative is also available as a book, so I would give it a strong B+. Especially if you like my show, you'll like this show. I'll let you off easy this week, as this episode was such a monster. I'm holding a story contest right now. If you want to send me an original work to be read into audio on the show, don't be shy. I've only had one brave soul show up so far. Out of 24,000 downloads, come on! And always, folks, thank you for your support. All the links are in the show notes and on the website at oldmanapocalypse.com. Give praise for the sunshine every day and keep surviving.